I don't know if you've ever been reading through your Bible and you've gotten to a point and you've, you've done something like this. You're reading it and you go, did I pick up the right book? Did he just say that? that I can't believe, is that in here? I don't know if you've ever read the Bible that deep before or that intent where you're wondering, is that really what, did he just say that? Am, am I supposed to do that? Do I have to do that? Is that something Christians are supposed to do? Because if that's something Christians are supposed to do, I don't know if I can do that. I might be out on this deal. That seems a little radical. I don't see other Christians doing it. A bunch of hypocrites. I don't know if everybody's doing it or not, but I don't see everybody else doing this. So why do I have to do this? And did he really say that? And, and if he did, who does that? Who does that kind of thing? And if that's what Jesus wants us to do, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever read the words of Jesus like that before and had those feelings like that. But we just finished a series on Galatians. So this book of Galatians, Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote it to a group of churches after they have just become Christians. So they're new to this following Jesus thing. They want to be followers of Jesus and disciples of his. And they're not from the old Jewish system, from the Old Testament. So they have this new freedom in Christ, so it's not connected with religion and all the rules and regulations that go with religion. This is a new group of believers, and there's freedom in that. So we just talked about how to live free in Christ. We walked through that book together. How does that freedom look with no religion? However, I want to back up and say, oh, but wait a minute. We can't let go of that stuff. In fact, there are times when Jesus himself goes back to the Old Testament, that old law, and says, you've heard it said this, and we're thinking he's going to give us the out and say, don't worry about it. You don't have to follow those rules anymore. What Jesus actually does is he makes it harder. <laughs> and he says, you've heard this, but I'm going to take you to a whole other level. He says things like this, you know, okay, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's what was taught back then. Um, what I'm going to tell you is if somebody punches you on one side of the face, give them the other side and let them hit you again. And we're like, did Jesus just say it like that? Okay, it's a little bit different interpretation. Like, did Jesus say punches? No, but he says slaps. Kind of it feels the same way, right? You're going to let somebody hit you again? Uh, Jesus says, if somebody was going to sue you and they take your shirt, give them your pants too. He says cloak, all right, that's the interpretation of scripture, but that just means the rest of it. We don't wear cloaks anymore, so it's pants, right? If, if somebody takes your shirt, give them your pants, give them, give them all your clothes. Did Jesus just say that? If somebody forces you to go one mile, Jesus says, go with them two. Now, it doesn't sound hard to us. We're like, oh, yeah, two miles, big deal. You know, load up in my truck. We'll go. It's not that far. No, to them it was. It was like they had to walk it all. So they were walking, probably carrying things. So this was a big deal. And it's not just inspirational talk. Go the extra mile. That's, you know, great inspiration. This is serious, and this is hard for people then. Jesus said, love your enemies. Who, who loves their enemies? I hate my enemies. You know, I'm not going to pray for somebody that, that is mean to me. Why would I do that? And who does? Who does this kind of stuff? Nobody that I know really works towards this, right? And if this is what Christianity is about, uh, I don't know that I'm in. Why would I sign up for something like this? Why would I want to follow these rules, especially if I see them as a list of rules and regulations? Especially if I see them as black and white laws. This is the law. And if you do these things um, and you do them good enough, you get to go to heaven. And if you don't do this list, sorry, you're going to hell. 
And oftentimes Christianity comes across like this, that we see a list of things like this and we think I have to do this in order to make it to heaven and I gotta do them good enough and if not, I'm gonna spend you know, eternity in that other place. So um, we go through these thoughts. We, we start saying things, you know, what do you mean, Jesus? So my first, when I hear this stuff, I don't know if it's with you, but when I hear this kind of thing, I, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna argue. My first step is to argue with Jesus. And so I start to come up with extreme situations. What do you mean? I can't stand up for myself. So what are you saying? If somebody broke into my house in the middle of the night, started doing bad things to my family and started stealing stuff, I'm supposed to just help them? Here, let me help. Let me get the other side of that TV, um, right? Or you forgot about the safe. I have a safe downstairs. You didn't know about that. And I have another daughter in that back bedroom you didn't even know about. What, God, what am I supposed to do? Is that what you're telling me? No, of course not. We, but we, we go there, don't we? We start to argue with Jesus and we use extreme examples because we think he's being extreme in his list of rules that he's given us. But he's not giving us a list of rules. That's not what he's doing. He's not giving us more rules to follow. It, this is not a list for us to get into heaven or we're going to hell. Actually, what Jesus is doing is saying, I want you to live a better life. I want you to have a better life. So here's a question I'm going to ask over the next four weeks. And you have some, if you have friends that are like, um, maybe they don't know if they like church or Christians or whatever, bring them over the next couple weeks because we're going to unpack some things that Jesus said and try and understand how they fit into maybe what they're thinking. So bring your friends with you. What kind of person do you want me to be and what kind of life do you want me to live? This is what we're going to talk about because this is what I believe Jesus is getting at. This is what I believe Jesus wants us to learn and know and do. Not just do, but who are we? Do you want to live a life of bitterness and hate and anger and rage? Is that what's coming out of your heart? Or do you want to live a life of compassion and love, <coughs> forgiveness and peace? I believe this is where he's going at when he tries to teach us these things. Now, none of these things make sense if you pull them out and they stand alone by themselves. If you just pull out from this whole book and all the teachings of Jesus, half of a sentence or you know, three or four words that Jesus said and you try and make a statement or a claim about those and you wanna argue those, of course, sometimes they're not gonna make sense when they're in isolation or they're out of context and you can't do that. Many of the things that Jesus teaches, if you take them out of context or if you just leave them out there all by themselves, they don't, they don't make sense and they don't stand alone because they were meant to be on a foundation. So the teachings of Jesus are meant to be on a foundation of what he teaches. And if you take that foundation away, then some of those things that he teaches, they just fall apart. And we can't understand them and we can't get to a point where we want to follow those unless we have that foundation. So Jesus goes back and he's quoting from Exodus 21, Leviticus chapter 24. These are a list of rules that Jesus pulls from in the Old Testament. And it's an entire list, there's a couple chapters of an entire list of rules and laws that um, if somebody does something to you of what you can do back to them. And it's a pretty extensive list. For example, if somebody breaks your arm, uh, you can break their arm. That's just the way it was. It's, that's how you can settle a dispute of what's happened, right? If somebody pokes you in the eye, you can poke them in the eye, and then it's settled, and everybody goes home with, you know, one eye, and that's it. Um, and that's what, if somebody um, kills your cow, 
Um, you don't get to kill one of their cows. You, you get to take one of their cows. Otherwise, we just have a bunch of dead cows around, and that's not good either. You, you get to take one of theirs. It was set up for the judges of the time, rules and laws to help us understand how we can solve issues um, between each other and what has happened. But it was also set up for limitations. So there's limitations on this. So you can't go too far in what you do. So if somebody breaks your arm, you can't break their arm and their leg just to get back at them, right? You can't, if somebody pokes you in the eye, you can't um, poke them in both of their eyes. It's, it, it was set up to say, this is how far you can go, but if you go too far, um, then they get to do something back. Then, then it's too much of that. And it was designed for a reason, to establish laws and rules and order in how we live, but why? Why? Why would you want that? We, we want that. We want stuff like this. I know it sounds strange, right? But why would you want that? It's something that we talked about a few weeks ago in here, and I think it's something we all desire and we want. It's justice. We want justice. If somebody hurts me, I want them to feel the same pain. I want justice in the situation. And if God's not going to take care of it, then I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to pay back. I'm going to put it in my own hands, and I'm going to pay back for this. Here's the trouble with justice when we try and take care of it, right? You know this. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. When somebody hurts us, and we try and retaliate, and we want to get back at them, and we hurt them, it doesn't help. It doesn't make us feel better. Okay, maybe it does, <laughs> just for a little bit, right? You've been there. You, you do, you, you walk right going, oh, that felt so good. I'm glad I said that to them. I hope they hurt just like I did. It, it feels good for just a little bit, but I know it doesn't last because later on that day, that night, the next day, sometime that next week, you still hurt. It didn't help. It doesn't help with your pain. It doesn't help solve the issue. And the only way to overcome that is a thing called Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And I believe that's what he's trying to teach us. And we're going to get to this. We're going to unpack this idea. I might not say it every week, forgiveness, or dive too far into it, but, but it's going to be there. This is a theme throughout. So let's look at one of these statements. We're going to unpack them all um, over the next few weeks. But, but this one here, chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 43. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, which many of us have been taught. It makes sense, right? I don't like the people that don't like me. I don't like the people that treat me bad, but I... I like my friends. I like people that like me. That's, that's easy, right? But Jesus says, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Who does that? Why would I want to do that? That doesn't make any sense. Why? And he says it in verse 45. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust. He's good like that, and he wants us to be like that. He goes on to say, even, even bad people, even evil people have friends. <laughs> they, they are friends to their friends, even if they're evil. So it, that, that doesn't help. Don't, don't be like them. I'm going to challenge you in a different way. So we've got to think about who our enemies are. Who's your enemy? 
For me growing up, it was the Oakland Raiders. I hated the Raiders. Oh, that was the worst. Everybody hated the Raiders. The Broncos were a close second, right? They were right there, but the Raiders for sure. And the Yankees, we hated the Yankees. I mean, they were, that was the worst. And the Jayhawks, the KU Jayhawks, oh, come on. In fact, last week, sorry to some of you, last week, um, Ruby and I were watching the championship game, the Big 12 championship, and it was the Iowa State Cyclones and the KU Jayhawks. And she even said to me, Dad, who are we cheering for? And I looked at her and I said, dude, seriously? We never cheer for the Jayhawks. Go to your room and think about what you just asked. I didn't. I didn't send it to her. Those would be uh, opponents, right? Rivals. That wouldn't be necessarily our enemies, but we've seen enemies in our days. Cowboys and Indians. The, The Confederate Army and the Union Army. Batman and the Joker. Republicans and Democrats, raise your hand if you're, I'm joking, don't, we're not going to, we're not going to do that here, but what, who's your enemy? I'm not sure for me growing up, I thought about this this week, I lived a pretty sheltered life, meaning I'm I'm not sure growing up that I had any true enemies. There might have been a day or two here or there where I didn't get along with another kid in school, but it wasn't, I never really had true enemies. Enemies, And it wasn't until I became an adult that I, I think I figured out who my enemies were. And maybe the saddest statement that I'll make all morning is that I'm not sure I found true enemies until I started doing church work. Satan loves this. He loves to get in between us all and make us feel like we're enemies against each other and what we can do and say to each other and how it hurts but for you, you know this, loving your enemies is not, um, it's, it's not that loving your enemies or not loving your enemies is going to get you to heaven or, or send you to hell. This is not that illustration, and it's not Jesus coming up with another set of rules. But I know some of your stories. I don't know all of you, but I know some of your stories, and I know my story. Some of you have some real enemies. Some of you in the military, you faced your enemies. I mean, there you can see the people that are trying to kill you and the people that you're trying to kill, those, those are real enemies. But for some of you, it's just people that have done some pretty bad things in life to you. Um, and th- this goes well beyond the people that you try and avoid in the grocery store, and I've been there as well. I've walked in and I've seen somebody, I've, I've turned around and walked out and said, I'll come back another time, I just can't do it today. Um, maybe you've been there, but maybe it's, maybe it's somebody that's hurt you pretty bad. And it's somebody that you're thinking about this morning that if they were to die, there'd be a little celebration going on in your heart. You'd be like, yay. These are the people I'm talking about. These are the people that they have hurt you deeply enough that you're thinking even this morning, I know where he's going with this and I don't think I can go there with him today. I don't think I can do that. I don't think I I can follow where he's going to go. And so I'm not going to ask you to go there today. What I'm going to ask you to do is just start the journey. Just start the journey with Jesus. Because Jesus, I don't believe that Jesus would ever say, hurry up already. Would you just forgive him? Would you just get on with it? Get over it. I don't think Jesus says that to us. I don't think that's where he goes. And Jesus is not just saying, just move on. No matter how much pain you've had, just move on. I don't think that he says that. What I think he says is, come on, let's go together. Let's just start a journey and let's start walking through this process of who you are. More importantly than what you do, who are you? 
Because Jesus himself has gone through some bad times and he's had some pretty tough enemies. He knows, he knows that there is something on the other side of loving your enemies. There's something on the other side of that. What is that? How do you get there? How does that look? Um, what is on the other side? How did Jesus do it? How can I get there as well? And I don't think Jesus would ask us to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. And so we can follow that. So to love your enemies does not mean that you suddenly become best friends with them again or for the first time. Our enemies are not the people that he's saying, hey, you should be best buddies with those people as well. In fact, I believe the way I interpret it, Jesus is saying, you're going to have enemies. You have enemies. And by loving them doesn't make them not your enemies. It doesn't make them your friends. In fact, they probably remain your enemies. In order to love them, they have to be there. So you probably will continue to have enemies. It's not that we're trying to get over the fact that we have enemies. It's the fact how we treat them from our standpoint, from our hearts. And if you don't have any enemies, I'll probably question whether you have real friends or not. Have you loved that deeply to somebody else to have them as close enough friends that maybe you have some enemies in your life? And friends... uh, there's tons of friends. We have, we have all kinds of friends. We have friends we like to hang out with. We have friends that are easy to hang out with. We have stuff in common with. And I think friendship can be one-sided. I looked this morning. Currently, I have 998 friends on Facebook. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I see who's going to be my 1,000th my friend um, on Facebook? There's no price, sorry, um, of that. But send a request. Let's see if I can break that barrier of 1,000 friends. But are they, are they all my friends? Well, sure, yeah, but I don't know them all that well. Some of them are just acquaintances. Um, are, they, are they true friends? They can be one-sided. But our enemies, what does that mean? Um, it has nothing to do with whether we do this to get to heaven or not. I think it has everything to do with who we are and how we treat those people and enemies. The word enemy actually comes from a Latin word. Um, when you break it down, it comes, the root word is a Latin word that actually means not a friend. This is the deep stuff. You need to write this down. Enemy means not a friend. I'm joking. It's, but here's the deal. Not everybody that's not my friend is not my enemy. So how do I understand what my enemies are? My enemies are those that are in opposition to me. Opposition for who I am, my deep concerns, um, the aspirations that I have and what I want to do. These would be then the people that are opposed to that. Meaning, if they succeed, then I fail. And if I succeed, they fail. And it can't be, can't we all just get along? No, we can't all just get along because... I, I, I'm shooting for this, and this is my goal, and this is your goal, and if you win, then I lose, and if I win, you lose. So you're my enemy in this. But here's what I understand. To love someone doesn't mean I have to agree with them or support them. Just because I don't support their endeavors, just because I don't um, get behind or agree with what they think, believe, or are trying to do doesn't mean I have to hate them. I can still show love to people even if I oppose what they're doing, even if they're my enemy. I can show respect. I can show dignity to 
common everyday life situations. I can offer kindness to them. I might not help them succeed in what they're doing. They might be my enemies in that, or they may have hurt me bad enough that I can't come around what they're doing anymore and help them with it. That doesn't mean I have to hate them. I can still offer basic stuff, and Jesus showed us this. Jesus didn't have to love his enemies, but he did. And if Jesus didn't love his enemies, we wouldn't have Easter to celebrate. We're preparing for this time. We're getting ready for a time to remember what Jesus did for us. And he loved us. His example of what he did for us, he actually lived what he was teaching. So who does that? Jesus did. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it tells us, God loved us so much He showed his love that while we were still sinners, some versions actually say enemies, while we were enemies of God, Jesus died for us. He he loved us enough, even while we were sinning, to say, I know that's against what I've taught and who you need to be, but even so, I'm going to be that sacrifice for you for your sins. And then we read it as well. He does this for everybody. Chapter 5, verse 45 of Matthew. And, and what Jesus said with that, he causes the sun to rise on the evil you know, and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus. You don't, you don't have to be a believer in him to get the sun to come up or to get rain or to get the basic needs of life met. God loves you enough that he's gonna take care of you with those things, and every good thing comes from him. Every good gift comes from him, and he gives it to you whether you trust and believe him or not. Everyone is a friend to friends. I like the people that like me. I like the people that give me nice things, but Jesus acted in a way of love towards people that that don't. So what kind of love is he talking about with this? I don't think it's a kind of warm and fuzzy love kind of feeling um, type thing. I don't think that he's coming around us and saying you have to become good friends with your enemies. I don't think he's saying, you know, you, you, you have to befriend them and you have to do these things with them. He's not telling us that we have to be indifferent to the hurt and the pain that has happened to us. I don't think he's saying forget about that stuff. I don't think he's being insensitive and saying just get over it already and move on in life. I don't think he's telling you that. I don't think it would be good for us to ignore what's happened to us in the past. We need to learn those lessons. I don't think it would be good for many of us to become friends with those people that hurt us again. And I don't think that's what he's asking us to do. It's not about what you do, it's about who you are. And he's asking for you to change your heart. It's a choice inside of you. Because if we hold on to these feelings, if we hold on to these feelings too long, the feelings that we have from our enemies and how they made us feel, then we are the ones that's trapped. We are the ones that are trapped. We're the ones that are enslaved to this anger and hatred in our own hearts. How they made us feel, that's now on us. And the only way to overcome it is forgiveness. To truly love them is to forgive them. And the truth is, my anger and my hatred towards my enemies... They don't even know. They don't know. They've moved on. They don't know how bad that I've been hurt. They don't know how bad you've been hurt. Or if they do, they don't care. They've moved on. So it's not about them anymore. It's about you. You are the one that's enslaved by this. 
You are the one that feels this way. It's only affecting you. And God is trying to free your heart up from those feelings when he tells you to love your enemies. And you see, my desire for payback, if I were to truly get what I would want, if I were to get retaliation on that, it wouldn't change the past. It wouldn't change what was spoken. It wouldn't change what has happened. And no amount of revenge or payback would ever change that. The only person that's suffering at this point is me and my heart. And I get it. It feels like if I were to do that, if I were to forgive them, if I were to love them, it would feel like they win and I lose. See, they win. They get off scot-free. Nothing's going to happen. They win and I lose. Um, but, and that's hard. That's hard for us to think through, and I believe that we think through that often. But what if forgiveness has nothing to do with them? What if forgiveness has nothing to do with ignoring it or moving on? What if forgiveness actually has nothing to do with our enemies, but it has everything to do with us? Whether they deserve it or don't deserve it, it doesn't matter. What if forgiveness has everything to do with us and who we are and who God wants us to be? Because I believe that if you're holding on to that, you're in a prison. You're in hate prison. And Jesus is telling us the only way to get out of that is to love, to pray for those people. That's the only way for us to change that. And we can't change our past. We can't control our enemies. We can't control how they feel. Even if we were to do something, we can't control their feelings or how they would take it. Um, so it's not about that. Jesus is showing us a way out. He is offering us a way to free ourselves up. It's not declaring weakness, and it's not declaring that they have won or they have victory. It's actually declaring victory for us. Now, here's the deal. I don't believe that you can, you can give that forgiveness to them and on your way past them, poke them in the eye or break their arm or say something. You can't, you can't unload on them on your way past and then say, oh, I forgave them, I've moved on, as you dump on them. That's not love. That's not what he's asking us to do and saying, just move on. He, what he is saying, what he is saying is, just love them. Take a step towards that. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Here's your one step towards this. I'm not asking you to go there today. I'm not asking you to finish this and walk out of here saying, oh good, I love and I forgive everybody. No, I want you to do, I want you to take a step this morning. The step that I want you to take is by praying for them. <laughs> this is what Jesus asked us to do. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Just start praying for them. And it, honestly, this may be the hardest part. This is hard for me. It's one of the hardest things I do with this. I think love and forgiveness can come within, but when I start praying for those people, that's hard. But I want you to start in that step. Start in on a journey with Jesus to free your heart so that your heart is a heart of love and peace, forgiveness, not a heart of anger and bitterness and rage. There is victory on the other side of forgiveness. There is victory there. Jesus knows this, and Jesus is more concerned about the kind of person that you are than about your actions and what you actually do. He's worried more about your heart. So if you don't know 
what Jesus has offered, if you don't know what he has given to you, I, I want to introduce him to you. Maybe you've never taken that step to trust in him, to believe in him, to be a follower, a disciple of his. I would like to share that with you. If you have, there's gonna be some people that would love to pray with you here that would just say, hey, we'll start this conversation and we'll, we'll help you get kicked off with this. What can we do to help you with whatever situation you're facing? And how do you get started in this? So um, if you would, let's stand together. We're gonna sing a song in order to get our hearts ready for a time to remember what Jesus has done for us as well. Let's stand.